joined by Zach Reynolds, the CEO of Betting on Content. Zach, thank you very much for coming on the show. This episode of the Business of Betting podcast is proudly brought to you by Dimers.com. Dimers.com is an absolute must for U.S. sports bettors who enjoy the highs and lows of wagering. Dimers provides sports bettors with pre-game and in-play predicted outcomes for every major pro and college sport. Take a look around at Dimers.com. Gamble responsibly. Zach Reynolds, the CEO of Betting on Content. Zach, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hey, Jake. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the chat. So I don't often get the chance to chat with someone who has their own agency, and I'm excited to, to talk about content, to talk about a few things on the periphery there and, and just hear from you and your background and certainly the the path you've taken over the last few years. It's a really interesting story. So Start starting there. Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, obviously, you know, starting an agency in the U.S. focused on content and betting, and in that space is really fascinating. But how did things lead up to to get to where you are today? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's all started in in Australia. So I grew up in um, in a place called Noosa, sort of a a sleepy. Well, it was a sleepy beach town in Queensland, and um, I just grew up with horse racing. My dad was had had horses. Um, I used to go to the Gimpy races um, back in the day, which is it's just uh, just a little bit outside of Noosa, um, and you know went to Corbell Park, and I, even when I was six years old, grew up going to the stables, checking out dad's horses. I don't know when I started betting, but it was definitely before I was eighteen um, with my dad. And, um, yeah, just grew up like that. But, I mean, like a lot of Australians, grew up with sport. You know, rugby, rugby, rugby league, cricket was sort of the thing. And, you know, like all through my childhood, it was it was horse racing, but it was never – sport was never considered betting um, until sort of, you know, early, early in the 20s when, you know, sports betting, you know, online sports betting happened and – and all of a sudden, sport even became even more fun. So that's where I started. But really, background, you know, started uh, work with Sky Racing, which was a, uh, which is the sort of thoroughbred channel in Australia. A lot of people would uh, probably know that. There's a, um, they they're a huge. Uh, they they stream and and have um, a lot of international races as well. So started there for a few years. So I really started in production, um, in TV production, uh, was a producer for that. And then, you know, all along, I just wanted to be uh, part of the, the betting scene in Australia. So um, went to, from that, I, I went to TVN, which was another, I was sort of executive producer of some of the, um, the shows on TVN, which was another thoroughbred channel. And then moved into um, got a job at Sporting Bet as sort of exec- executive producer from there. So, um, and then you know took off basically. Uh, Sporting Bet was able to do some great things with the guys there, um, uh, run by Michael Sullivan, who was a prominent a prominent uh, CEO at the time. Uh, I think he's with Bluebet now, but yeah, just been able to build a team. That's when sort of content. Um, it was still really new, um, you know, content and, and in-house production, but that's where I had a vision to, to start an in-house agency 
um, started to build that within in the Sydney Sydney ranks. Um, built got all built all the TVC capabilities, all the TV ads, all previews in house. We built I built a we built a studio within the the office, a uh, television standard studio, and I could see that's where content was heading. You know, like um, you know, really purpose driven um, content. Uh, we would do. I remember. Um, at the time, we would do like uh, previews with uh, the big man and Duncan McRae and a few of the t- uh, football personalities, and we would put it on YouTube. And you know, we would get like you know 500, 600 views, but it was really nothing. And and then you know, once I moved to Tab, um, where I was running content and built, basically built the same model. There is built, uh, you know. Uh, 20 to 30 team in-house agency and we started to put the previews in the betting app and that was really the the key and that that's you know that's a great way of um you know showing return on investment because all of a sudden those sports betting and racing previews that i used to do on youtube that only got six you know six to seven hundred views um, that you couldn't measure success was all of a sudden they were in the in these uh, in the betting app where you could measure success. So that was a really important part um, of getting traction in Australia. So take us back to some of those earlier days at Sky and, and TVN and how content morphed. You touched on it a little bit, but I'd be interested to hear you know some deeper thoughts on that time because I even remember back then there was not a lot comes to mind. There was one show that I think Richie Callender would do with one or two others on a on a little panel and they'd talk some NRL, some Aussie rules, some horse racing. And that was the only preview show that I remember back then. And now obviously there's plenty of them, you know, racing.com does get on, which is pretty prominent. And all around the world, there's preview shows, there's review shows, there's deep dive and in-depth look at, at horse races before they've happened for, you know, 20, 30 minutes at a time sometimes. So take me back to, to those earlier days. Was it Was it hard to get... I guess the license to be able to do some of those shows, why was there sort of, was there pushback or was it just no one was ready yet for that type of thing? Because most people will remember just sky racing, wall to wall, um, you know, horse racing, greyhounds, harness racing, and maybe a little Tony Brassel uh, tip in the corner, but that was about it. So what was your viewpoint of that sort of period of time and how content evolved? Yeah, it was actually funny because I was. Uh, it was called the Right Odds that show. That's I think right, it, right maybe odds, yeah. your dad might have even been on it once Probably. or twice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I was the producer of, of that show, and um, it was. Yeah, it was a great show. It was on Friday mornings, um, and you're right. It was sort of the first sports betting show that sort of touched on racing and sports of its kind. Um, I think you know what I think it it, it had to evolve um, because. You know, we you know we'd had sports betting and online sports betting for you know for for a number of years, and you know all of a sudden you've got the same offers and the same prices and 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 restrictions around um, what you can promote on TV was becoming you know tighter and tighter. So you know you had to think outside the square with content. You had to um, you know produce branded content that was not all about just selling, selling, selling. It was actually about telling stories. And the other thing that you know came out was a lot more preview shows um, to engage the audience rather than just driving offers, um, you know screaming offers you know to the to the customers. So it was just a 
I guess, a, a forced evolution um, where we had to um, really, you know, really think outside the square and come up with new and engaging ways. And, uh, you know, US is is still obviously new and it's in this, um, you know, offer-driven state. But I think as as, as everything sort of, you know, as, as, as it all sort of becomes the same, same, branded content and doing those engaging previews have become more important. So how do the, the executives at some of these businesses think about content, at least in your experience? Because I think it's, like you said, there's plenty of offer-driven stuff where they want to, you know, request action from the punter and, and get them in. Um, and then, like you've already started to talk about how you've got to engage more and, and be part of a, a more encompassing experience that isn't just that. And I think that's what things are certainly trending more towards these days. But I know there's certainly owned and operated where people will control their destiny when it comes to their own content and their own properties, whether it's social or or, or other platforms that they have with apps and, and websites and whatnot. But then there's also a, a hell of a lot of affiliate businesses and, and just general sports media companies that will cover a lot of this stuff as well. So t- tell me about your experience with some of these executives across the different businesses and, and how they think about content. And I'm not sure if it necessarily aligns perfectly with how you think, but I'd be I'd be curious as to how that's sort of changed over the years. Oh, it's still a, it's still a hard slog um, content in terms of, you know, really video content. I think one key thing is trying to implement like a purpose-driven content strategy. So you know, laying down exactly what this piece of content's for and then using the using, you know, metrics to deliver that. So for example, you know, branded content. If you, you know, say from the start, we're gonna get reach, we're gonna, you know, get um produce branded content, but it's purely for engagement or it's purely for for reach or awareness, then at least they know from the start that that's you know that's what it's for and hopefully that's what it delivers for you so being able to define pieces of content i think is important for the execs um because at the time like years ago just um in australia it was still it was still a hard sell to say look we're going to invest you know a million dollars in in content for a particular series uh because you know it doesn't always um get return on investment straight away. But I think the important thing is like having a strategy and sort of laying that down, being transparent and saying, you know, this is going to deliver this X and then over time we'll be able to retarget and and deliver Y. So I think that's the key to it. But yeah, it was, it was hard, hard going back in the day trying to convince some execs that content was the way to go. Like, you know, in Australia, when it was, like I mentioned, the same, a lot of same, offers and prices content and product were the two things the two point of difference elements so um it was something and and when we were at tab you know i, f- I felt sky racing was really underused like and so the one of the big um one of the big angles i went when when we got to was to what got to tab was to really leverage sky you know leverage their influences or their talent a lot more for the tab assets um and and that really worked well oh that's interesting because i I wanted to ask about uh operators as well and certainly now you can probably you know point to things that are that are different and differentiated like you know tom waterhouse comes to mind in the australian market uh and obviously his approach to these things paddy power and and their the way that they sort of do their 
it might be more marketing, but also content, you know, a bit more lighthearted and, and just a different approach. Whereas, you know, Tab, at least in my experience, seems to be pretty straight and narrow and then doesn't want to push the boundaries too much. And then obviously now in the US, you're seeing things expand a lot more and, and you know, points bet with their, their large, you know, brand ambassadors, which is relatively new in, in sort of recent years and things like that. So from an operator point of view, is it the same conversation and discussion uh, as it is at a place like uh, Sky Racing, for example, or TVN or, or a network? Or is it a little bit different when it comes to content and is differentiation the key? Is it a consistent theme and message? Or are there other metrics that are being used internally at sports betting operators, for example? Yeah, I would say it's uh, it's definitely a lot harder um, just because, you know, the, the leadership group generally at an operator is, is um, you know, business is has a business background they're um, finance driven um so you definitely would have to take a different strategy if you were going to work at like a content site where they understand content um but you know so they're probably the metrics are different they're looking for you know really engagement more telling stories on sky racing uh industry you know more of an industry uh angle whereas your operators are you know, you, you won't have a long leash if you can't deliver um, return on investment with content. Um, so, yeah, definitely different um, and, a, and a harder sell there. But what I do think is um, if you you just need to have um, buy-in from some of the execs and they're, they're willing to give you a um, – willing to give, you know, a content a real um, shake. When I was at Tab, it you know, they got left behind for years and years Um but I had a, you know, I had a CMO that was willing to um, push the boundaries with content. Like we brought in, I brought in Chris Bosch from the US when NBA was blowing up a few years ago, and I think he's still an ambassador for for Tab. So just, um, you know, I think it's it's definitely harder. But yeah, I think having that buy-in from like the CMO or the leadership team, and I think it's, you know, it, it can pay dividends. Look what sports better doing in Australia. They built a brand around engaging content and now they're dominating market share in Australia. So um, for a really, um, you know, fiercely competitive marketplace like Australia was, um, content was king for sure. So from your point of view, what makes uh, a content specialist good or, or great? Because, you know, there's plenty of people who are on air that people will know about and, and hear about uh, around the world. And then there's probably people behind the scenes that, that have the ideas, that have the approach and strategy behind the content as well. So either one of those, do you have a sense of what makes those people great at what they do in this space? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, in, in terms of um, content for operators, uh, like I think it's like it really helps understanding the punt or the, you know, the betting landscape, like having a background that, that I had definitely helps because you can – uh, you know, it's easily you can easily define um, what content will work and what what doesn't. Like having a vision, I think is really important. Um, so I think that really helps. Like we've we've built an agency here, and I brought um, I brought four Australians over with me, um, just that have got wagering background as well as content background. So I think that really helps. Um, and then sort of breaking it down i break uh, it doesn't even matter if it's wagering you know for an operator or not i sort of break 
it down into four buckets. Um, promotional, which is obviously, and it's all purpose-driven content, right? So there's always a purpose to it. So promotional, obviously drive sign-ups. So that's your TVCs, your um, user acquisition, short-form digital videos, things like that. You've got branded content, which is really about reach and engagement and awareness, which is telling more stories rather than sort of selling. Um, but on the back end, if you produce good branded content and you engage, then you can retarget that audience with an offer um, down the funnel. Uh, third one would be educational. So obviously this is really an important aspect in, in the States right now is um, producing educational content for a new customer base but doing it in an engaging way. Um, gone are the days where it's sort of a guy talking, you know, in tutorial style because, you know, that's just not engaging. So being able to educate um, this new customer base in each state um, in a uh, unique way is really important. And then the fourth one, which is probably the, the biggest one, is the wagering or wagering drivers, I call them. So that's like, you know, your previews. Um, you know, we do... I think we do over a thousand um, wagering videos for Churchill Downs every month. So it's all about driving an action, you know. So whether that's driving a bet or driving them to go onto the site. Um, so that's really key is, uh, is the wagering angle, especially for the operators. So from those buckets, what stands out in the innovation space? Because I'm guessing plenty of different uh, people in the content world, whether they're at operators, whether they're at agencies, whether they're at, you know, broadcasters and, and others in the wagering space have tried to push the boundaries. And as we know, it's a, a pretty competitive space when it comes to trying to grab market share and certainly in new markets like the US. Uh, if you're not differentiating from a content point of view, then you're probably hopefully doing it on a product point of view and so on. So do you have any things that stand out from an innovation point of view that's sort of developed over the last few years, especially? Yeah, it's. I mean, there's a couple of things. It's probably the um, the app previews or the expert picks that we you know, implemented in um, at Tab, and that I've implemented. We've implemented it at, at Twin Spies at Churchill Downs, and that's that's producing bespoke thirty second to forty five second um, race previews or sport previews that sit on the betting page. So. Um, you know, we do, like I said, we probably do over a thousand of them a month on all different races around all the Churchill Downs' tracks. So, um, and it's just, you know, it's building, and we've got a lot of insight around that. It's like, it's it's building content. You know, you don't, a two minute, a two minute preview won't work there because punters and betters are, you know, next to go animals, you know, like they're, that's what they do. they you know, what's the next race? What's the next event in sport, especially with basketball and that? There's so many things going on. So they don't have two minutes. They don't have two minutes to <laughs> sit there and watch a preview. They've got 30 seconds. And so we do that across a lot of sports. We do that across all of racing for Churchill. Um, I think they're still doing it at TAB. Um, and it's it's only – you wouldn't even – it's bespoke purely for the betting platform. We did a um, – we did some testing and I remember this was a tab. Um, we would, uh, it would drop, the engagement would drop by half if it was in, if it was one step away from the betting platform. So if it was in say an info or a, an info center. So if you were on the betting platform and you clicked 
back into an info center, it drops by half the engagement because it's one step away and punters are lazy. So, <laughs> um, so it's amazing that what you can um, produce if it's within the betting platform, and this is video. So we do yeah, a thousand videos within a bet each market page. So for example, you can look at the, the preview of these personalities who are well-respected on in those tracks or sports and you can still look at the market while you bet while you're looking watching the video. So that's a real, um, you know, real innovative play that was sort of I brought from Australia to the US. That's working great for Churchill. Um, they now want to do more and more of it. Um, and I think the other thing is is product. Like um, I think products, you know, a good product is can only go so far unless you market it and, and and build content around it. So, um, you know, things like predictive analytics where it's customer facing, you know, percentage of winning, like trying to educate the, the, the viewer on products that's like that is important. So building a content strategy around all, you know, if you're going to go all in on a product as an operator, um, you know, spend some money and building a content plan around it and a marketing plan around it because um, awareness is key. And I, I see, I see a lot of uh, products that are great that don't get. You know, they think, oh well, if we pay for the product, then it's a plug and play and it'll just work. And I see a lot of products um, not being as successful as they could be because they they don't market it well enough. So tell me about the agency and, and why you started it. What was the the reason why the U.S. was obviously a target market for you? You've talked a lot about the the Australian market and sort of the mature landscape there across uh, certainly racing and, and wagering and the operators there. But what was the the thinking at the time, and what led you to do it? Uh, well, probably like you, Jake. I'm um, I'm a mad mad uh, love watching sport. Um, I remember in Australia, when you know for years, like I'd get up, I'd I'd tell, tell the missus I was off to bed at, at, at 7 o'clock on a Sunday night. Um, <laughs> she thought I was Yeah, well, I'd yeah. actually get up at midnight to watch the EPL, the game of the weekend, on the yeah. which is, I think, about 12.30 now. So I'd get up at midnight, set the alarm, get up, go through till 3 o'clock, then the NFL red zone would start, and I'd go all the way through. And I'd go to work in Sydney and it'd get about two o'clock in the afternoon and I'd be, I'd be a shot duck. <laughs> Couldn't keep my eyes open. But I did that for years. So I just said, um, when I when sports betting was about to open up, I was with Tab and I thought, you know, I, I talked to talked to the wife and said, I'm going to have a crack here. And so I resigned from Tab and um, just went over um, to the, I think it was the, the, betting, uh, the betting conference in... Um, in Jersey a couple of years ago, um, it was in 2000, might have been 2019, and um, yeah, met Ian Williams, who's the president of um, online betting for Churchill Downs. Um, had a good chat with him, and um, you know they they wanted sort of me to bring a, a team over to um, you know build an agency. It's um, we're an, obviously an external agency, but Churchill to be the first client, which is. A pretty uh, pretty good first client. So uh, yeah, we ca- I came over here and you know it's been a a, a long uh, eighteen months with everything that's going on. But um, 
it's you know everyone's settled. I've got the Aussie Aussie. I sold them the dream. We we're in Kentucky in Louisville <laughs> and uh, sold the families the dream. And uh, yeah, so we're all here and now building. I think we're a team of eight now and um, just signed a, a new contract, a new multi-year contract with Churchill. Um, and now looking to really expand, um, probably get a, hopefully get a, a second office pretty soon in another location and, um, and, and look to really help other operators and wagering affiliates um, and, and anyone else that sort of needs this help. You know, we've seen even content um, sites like DAZN and FUBU and uh, Sinclair, they're all coming out now looking to expand in the, in the sports betting space. So, Really looking forward to helping some of these brands. So I'm guessing, at least in the beginning, it would have been an enormous amount of work with Churchill and get everything sort of started and settled and organized. And then obviously the pandemic sort of changes things and makes many things far more difficult. So I'm I'm curious, has that sort of been the you know sole focus in the beginning, at least you know the the initial stages? And now you're looking to to branch out a bit further. And you touched on some of the other opportunities, but I'm guessing. Not only that, there's probably leagues out there that are trying to think about gambling content and some are very cautious and others are a little more aggressive. And then obviously there's there's teams, there's um, you know broadcasters that are showing these sporting events that want to have either their own you know properties uh, involved in some way in gambling or at least you know doing deals with operators as well. So it's a very interesting space right now because we are so new and we're not at the point where everyone's willing to do much more than dip their toe in the water. And if they are, then they're probably going to be unique and they might have an advantage. So what does, you know, phase two, after you've done the first couple of years and you've, you know, obviously done a great job to get someone like Churchill on board and carry them through this period, what's, what does the next phase look like if you had to predict what a good outcome would, would be? What, is, what does that look like? Yeah, like um, it's, it's actually, it was a, um, when I decided um, to come to Louisville, um, you know, we're a, yeah, I, we work best um, when we're, you know, involved, you know, a lot more than a traditional agency. And that's our model, you know, like that's, you know, of course, boutique agency, but really we want to uh, be part of the team, you know, get a lot more involved than a traditional agency would. And coming to Louisville, you know, might have been a silly mistake because obviously there's a lot of other <laughs> maybe better places like New York and to set up. But when, the, when COVID hit, it was probably that's probably what saved us because we obviously were so close to Churchill that, um, that they were, you know, they were not going to let us go anywhere. So, um, it was, you know, in hindsight, it was probably a wise move to really focus on Churchill, do a good job for them before we expanded. And, um, and now that they're in a great position, um, you know, we've got a great workflow with them you know, I would, I just, you know, I love, and like you, Jake, I love content. I love sport. And, you know, even in the, the last three months, I've just seen a massive change in the U S just the excitement is, you know, building, you know, more States are getting involved. And, um, you know, I love how the, even the content sites are getting, uh, are having a throw at the stumps now. And, um, you know, it, it's game on. And, you know, we want to be helping a number of different brands. You know, our, our you know, our target, our target, um, you know, our target list, you know, like you said, it's sporting bodies, you know, even the tier two, tier three um, bodies that, you know, may be um, in trouble because of COVID. We want to be able to, you know, help these 
help these organizations through marketing campaigns um sports tech another one that yeah. you know is obviously really important and i love sports tech because i love how it can really change wagering and sports betting in this in well, across the world so I'm really keen to help startups and you know um, you know sports tech organisations looking to get looking to get a foot in the door um, and then obviously you know helping some of the operators and content sites that are really want to make a big impact you know in in this space but it's yeah it's super exciting. So if you don't mind, tell us how a conversation might go with a either a CMO or a head of content or a, whatever, a head of social at some of these places where they're, let's say they've been in the business for, you know, zero to 10 years. They've been obviously sports media focused and competing amongst themselves, whether it's some of the big ones like CBS or NBC or, or even further down uh, from there. And now this big bomb has landed with sports betting and it's rapidly expanding either in their state where they are already or about to come there all these different operators, some states we're talking a dozen or more, um, online casinos coming, you know, all these evolutions are happening during a pandemic and they're basically tasked to be, and I see it every now and then when I go on LinkedIn and it's, you know, managing director of betting or gaming content or whatever it might be. And I look at their, you know, experience or background or I get introduced to them and I think, geez, that must be almost impossible to figure out, you know, some of the stuff you've talked about is not easy. It's really complicated. It takes you know a long time to get a handle on, and you sort of just ushered into this new role at a at a team or a league or a or a platform, whatever it might be, and you got to figure it out. What are those conversations like when you talk to them and they have to come up with a strategy and present to their board or their management team? And it just seems like a, a very unenviable and, and almost impossible task for for those kind of people who I'm sure a few of them are probably listening. Yeah, it's a. Um... You know, it's definitely a, a hard task because, it, you know, it, it's funny. Like we grew up with wagering, and um, you know, we sort of the, my first go-to is wagering content. Like a, it's sort of so second nature. But these guys, especially the the content sites, they know content. You know, they know production really well. But it's just a completely different beast um, knowing how to monetize content in the wagering space. Um, and all I would say is like. In the strategy, break it down into purpose-driven buckets. What 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 is the objective for the, for this piece of content or these series of content, and, and then measure it that way. Um, it seems for me, it's a simple way of doing things. Um, it's also a a way that um, executives that may might not understand the space as well, they seem to understand it, and then we can you can start to to measure that some of that content or the the marketing campaigns that you produce but definitely breaking it down into those buckets also is like a really key element is um the ability to repurpose so when we did um the brett Favre shoot um for, for twin spies you know trying to get the maximum out of the shoot so you know i thought we'd probably get sort of you know for 30 to 40 different elements um out of the shoot so it's not just about the tvc it's about all of the things that ladder down and that sort of can create that brand equity. Um, so your, your your short form digital pieces, your gifts, your photo shoot, your you know your pieces to camera for CRM um, to you know have have Brett Favre talk to the the current customer base, you know things like that. So just 
in you know making sure that you get the most out of these uh, out of your out of your influences and out of your campaign shoots. That's really important. So on that Brett Favre stuff, tell us a little bit of a background that you're able to share when it comes to that, because obviously, you know, one of the biggest names in U.S. sports, um, and certainly in a certain region. And I want to get onto regional stuff shortly, but what's the process like to get someone like that on board and then obviously do all that work? Um, and like you said, it's not just a commercial. Obviously, there's. I saw an interview, I think, post with, uh, I think Andrew was talking to Brett for, you know, five or ten minutes on Zoom or whatever, and you can see some some deeper background and he talks to what he's doing, why he's doing it and stuff like that. That seems like a, a challenging one to get over the line. Um, how does one go about getting Brett Favre to, to partner with Twin Spies? Yeah, it's um, I guess it's it's coming up with a pretty compelling uh, concept. It really helps when it, when you're talking about these um, influencers or ex sports stars or even entertainment stars. You know, um, it's you know trying to you know we knew we had a good chance with Brett, so we tried to adapt a concept um, that would really work for him. Like I've seen a few of his ads where he's maybe a bit more serious, and I just think he is a lot more comfortable and he really works by not taking himself too seriously and having fun with it. And it really came out in the ad. Um, we, you know, we loved it. We work with the um, step studios from, from LA um, and a couple of um, directors, comedic directors that um, the varsity blue uh, varsity boys that really helped us. Um, but yeah, we came up with the concept. We pitched that concept to, uh, to Brett um, personally he, he loved it and, and on from there. So I think it really comes, if you can come up with a concept and you can build a concept, an original piece of content, even if it's for an operator or if it's just, you know, just for a branded content digital piece and then pitch it to the to the actual talent that you think would be perfect, I think that really helps. On the regional stuff, have you found that it matters in terms of what you're doing so far? And obviously on the sports side, it's, a state-by-state rollout, so there's there's certainly far more going on in certain regions than others. But, I mean, Brett Favre's probably not a good example because he's certainly, you know, national and it's not just a, you know, a Wisconsin-type thing or a Wisconsin, you know, Minnesota-type thing given where he played his, his sports. But is there any regional aspects that matter when it comes to content or is it probably a good idea to just think more broadly and think national, think, um, you know expanded when you're looking at what you're going to do and why you're going to do it? Or is there any reason why you would want to have a, a more singular or direct focus on a certain state or a certain region? No, definitely regional. Like I look at, um, I look at each state as a, as a country, to be honest, because obviously they're so big. Yeah. Um, and you know, like, you know, the, you know, for example, Pennsylvania, like they love their sport there. They love their teams there. Um, so when it comes to content strategy and entering a new state, we have a like I build, we build a content strategy for Churchill that is specific to that region. So even though we have our tier one ambassador, that's Brett Favre, that's national, you know, nationally recognised, um, when we enter these states, we're building influences and content around these influences um, for the state that is going to be really attractive for that regional user base. So. Um, 100% all about um, regional content and bespoke content for that region and also offers like um, we're, we're doing some, um, you know, a bit like some of the other operators like PointsBet do a really good job there where they're 
um, specific offers for that region with that talent, um, with a piece of content that is specific for that region. I think it, it's a great combination. So I'm interested in your thoughts on how things will progress. So sort of forward looking and, you know, I, I want to start with at least on the sporting body side. I know it morphs pretty quickly into wagering operators and, and teams and so on, but just from a, from your point of view, when it comes to the future, even, you know, you see now like the drone league is partnered with DraftKings, for example, or um, I think even something like lacrosse, there's, I think it's premier league lacrosse now, which merged with major league lacrosse, or whatever it might be. I might be, you know, stuffing that up a little bit, but there's sort of the, the tiered, you know, the lower tier stuff that's trying to push up into that top tier that might be more aggressive. And then you've obviously got the, the core four and then obviously college is its, its own different beast. And um, it has its challenges as well, just given the age of the athletes and, and their approach to gambling over the years from an NCAA point of view. So what do you think we're going to see when it comes to, you know, the next five years? Is it going to be just everything all over the place and a bit of a mad rush and scramble and, nothing's going to be too consistent or are you going to see some some themes pop up where um you know at least some with your experience in this space is going to be able to sort of predict a little bit what's coming down the pipe here yeah i think it's um you know i think it will be a little bit of a mad rush into these different states um but you know it all is going to depend on um you know state by state restrictions you know like if if there starts to be like what happened to Australia and like what happens to Britain, like what's happened to Britain where you're going to see some maybe primetime TV restrictions where you can't promote in certain times, then there needs to be a shift. Like you, you need to concentrate on um, branded content a lot more and, and influences a lot more and the digital space a fair bit more. So it, it all depends on some, you know, some States might be stricter than others, but I do think the the sort of the, the regional, um, you know, the the regional focus is is sort of the way to go. Um, I know your FanDuel's and DraftKings, they've had that brand equity through fantasy, so they can sort of play at a national level. But as you as uh, sort of these other operators enter the market, I think definitely a uh, a regional approach and just checking what the restrictions are across content because it probably will come. The restrictions, yeah. um, whether it happens in the next five years, I'm not sure, but it w- it will come, and then being able to pivot um, and and still produce compelling content that is sort of gets around the the restrictions is going to be key. So you must get a lot of emails, cold calls, a lot of people that want to be doing what you're doing or want to work in in your agency or doing something similar. What do you tell those folks that do reach out, whether it's um you know, wanting to be focused on the U.S. market, wanting to work in the industry generally, wanting to switch over from something else they're doing that have, you know, similar experiences as we do, you know, growing up with horse racing or growing up with sports and being very interested in wagering. And there's plenty of people out there that fall into those buckets. What would you suggest, certainly given, you know, the world as it is today, it's not as simple as it might have been two years ago to pick up and and move to to L.A. or Louisville or or New Jersey. Uh, What's the what's the best thing that someone can be doing in this time, given where we sit with, you know, an exciting, potentially an expanding U S market. I think it's just about having, having a crack. Um, you know, like it content, it's very similar to what, what you need to have with content is like, you, you can't be scared to, to fail. Um, you know, cause some things are not going to work. So, uh, it's the same with getting into the industry. I think, um, you know, you've got to sacrifice, you've got to, 
have have a you know like gambling you know take a risk yeah um i, I remember even before i started working at sky channel i was working at at flight center as a travel agent and i was a hopeless travel agent because <laughs> every saturday i would go missing for about three hours and i'd go down to the local tab to put the bets on yep. um but i traveled on the on my day off on a sunday there was a show called racing retro which um yeah yeah which which everyone in australia would know i uh my dad had a contact uh with graham mcneese and um I would turn up on my day off. I'd travel from Cronulla to French's Forest. It was like a two-hour trip on a at 4 a.m. in the morning, and I'd just turn up. And I didn't have a job. I'd just <laughs> hang around like a like a bad smell, you know. Like uh, I'd just sort of be so annoying and just keep asking for you know what could I do? What could I do? And eventually they gave me a job, and I didn't have any television experience at the time. I was pretty young, and but you know. It, it doesn't matter what your background is. If you know sport or you know betting um, and you want to have a, have a crack in content, just take a risk, you know? And it's the same with the, when coming over here, I didn't have a job or I didn't, you know, I, I resigned from tab from a pretty good job, but um, you know, I wanted to have a crack. And if I didn't have a crack, I'd be sitting here, at, sitting back at 60 back in Australia, wondering, you know, what if, so I think, uh, everyone who wants to get into the industry, um, this is the time to do it and just take a risk. Do what you do when you, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very good. Very good. So one final question for you about the agency. What's the what's the future look like? I think you you touched on it earlier about a but you know, new office, new location, maybe some expanded verticals. Tell me about sort of the, the evolution now that you have obviously a pretty strong team there doing a hell of a lot of stuff already with with you know huge names like Twin Spires and then Churchill's obviously a a market leader in this uh, this country across multiple you know vertical wagering verticals. What does you know what's your focus? You know obviously being the CEO, you got to think broadly and longer term as well as the day to day. But do you have anything in mind when it comes to what the what the next couple of years looks like? Yeah, it's um this is the this is the most exciting time. This is what I came here for is to expand the business. Um, like I talked about those sort of sales segments, get involved with there, but we're definitely expand um, to a second location. Um, depending on sort of the clients that we pick well, up. In the we'll, bourbon we'll, bourbon region or are you gonna expand beyond just bourbon? No, I, I like rum too and a few <laughs> other things. So I'm gonna ex- we're gonna expand there. Down to Cuba but, or something. Know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bit of tequila, um, but um, but yeah, I think the other thing is like we've got a really, I've got a really good partnership or a, an association with the CAA, which helped me get Brett Favre, and you know, um, you know, we'll play to our strengths a little bit and work with them on on, on getting getting a collaborate and get some um, either more content or do some original content. Really want to help operators across marketing and help companies across marketing, but also want to be um want to be looking to pitch some original content ideas um you know with a, a wagering slant to it um for a lot of these content sites that are that are looking for original content like your sinclairs and your you know your fubus and you know places like that your designs that um are looking for original content so that's going to be a key element is um and and probably go work with you know the likes of caa and go in with a lead talent to pitch these ideas. Um, so that's a, a passion of mine. Really want to um, be able to do some of that as well. And um, you know, 
just like what we mentioned before, just have a crack and not leave anything uh, to wonder. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to the next couple of years, as you probably are. Absolutely. So what's the best contact point for someone who's listening who wants to just, you know, send you abuse via email or tell them or tell you they, they enjoyed the show or they have some thoughts <laughs> or, or questions around this space? Yeah, so just um, I'm on LinkedIn, Zach Reynolds, but you can go to um, the agency's website. It's uh, actually just really simple, boc, B-O-C dot agency. We managed to – we've gone away from dot com. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> boc dot agency is the uh, a website and – you know, but either, but feel free to DM me on LinkedIn or whatever as well. So happy to help out, even if, if it's just for advice or even if it's someone that wants to come through the ranks or they're an on-air talent that is in a regional area and they've got a good idea or they they want to hit this space, I'm happy to give some advice um, for some some people that are looking looking to get into this industry. Awesome. Well, it's certainly not a space that I've spent enough time looking into and had enough conversations about. So I do appreciate all of your thoughts and uh, and perspective on this. It's been a, an interesting chat for me to learn. So, Zach, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it, mate. 